0: The sequencing of human genomes takes the first routes out of Africa through southern Asia, from India to Southeast Asia, with its islands still connected together in the landmass of Sunda due to the drop in sea levels. Save for some controversial remains of stone tools in sites like Dwalapuram in southern India, and Badadambalena in Sri Lanka, the archaeological record of early humans in India is practically non-existent. The situation is a little bit better in Sunda, With the oldest remains from Callao Cave in the Philippines dated tentatively to sixty seven thousand years old. It has been proposed by some researchers that ancestors primarily followed the coastlines as they moved through southern Asia, where they would have found abundant resources in the form of seafood like shellfish, and that these sites would have been lost by the rise in sea levels following the retreat of the glaciers. Anthropologist Alexander Harcourt posits a scenario where ancestors, traveling at the average forager rate of seven moves a year, thirteen miles per move, would take less than 200 years to reach Australia from Africa, all along a rich coast. That alone suggests that these population expansions were relatively easy trips to make, but there are some faults with this logic. For starters, a coastal route doesn't consider the possibilities that inland regions were just as plentiful in resources as the coast, especially if there were river or lakeside places. And again, we cannot know for sure the reasons, if any, that ancestors had for moving to the places they did. We cannot account for the time it takes for any one people to become accustomed to a new environment and what it can provide. Looking at the genetic evidence, we can take some clues as to where ancestors went and settled in Southern Asia. There are many demographics throughout the Indian subcontinent in Southeast Asia, and several of these have very limited ranges today. They include the Vedas of Sri Lanka, the Samang of Malaysia, the Ida of the Philippines, and the indigenous peoples of the Andaman Islands. Historically, many of these peoples have been lumped together under a now pejorative name, Negrito, which derived from the Spanish colonists of the Philippines during the 1500s, who made note of the small, dark-skinned peoples who lived there. DNA studies indicate that these peoples had had a long-established presence in their lands, before many other ethnic groups settled there, and there are traces of their tool technology in the archaeological record. Known as the Hoabinian toolkit, the earliest available traces are roughly 44,000 years old, And are directly related to these present-day indigenous forager groups. Having stemmed from a common ancestral line, these ancestors spread out across southern Asia and were effectively some of the first homo sapiens to settle in Asia and leave a lasting presence there. Some of these Sundu groups managed to perform one of the first long-distance sea voyages, which culminated in the peopling of Sahul, present-day Australia, Tasmania, and New Guinea. It has become apparent that these regions have been home to indigenous or aboriginal groups for a very long time, But the question has always been, how long? The most recent genetic and archaeological evidence informs us of a presence of ancestors on this continent for at least 65,000 years. Since Sahul and Sunda were separated by a tract of deep sea that stretched over 2,000 miles, with no land bridges in sight, the first settlers of Sahul had to have made the journey over water, and at least by island hopping. Ethnographic studies reveal a tradition of Aboriginal Australians using watercraft, so this idea has a lot of merit. The only issue regards the lack of physical evidence for boats over 65,000 years old. In any case, researchers have mapped out possible routes these peoples may have taken, with the most likely being through the northern islands separating Sunda from Sahul, launching off from present-day Borneo to Sulawesi, Taliapu, Halmahera, and landing at Masul Island off the coast of New Guinea. Having landed there, genetic evidence shows a movement across New Guinea and into the north of Australia. Good archaeological evidence becomes apparent by 46,000 years ago and it is clear that the whole of Sahul was fully populated by 40,000 years ago. For many thousands of years, Sahul remained an intact landmass, and it was only following the beginning of the rise in sea levels around 37,000 years ago that the peoples of New Guinea and Australia began to separate from each other into distinct societies, with all living Aboriginal Australians sharing a common ancestor around 32,000 years ago. Moving back into Asia, we see ancestors settling East Asia definitively by 50,000 years ago. One of the best remains we have of early peoples in this part of the world comes from the Tianyuan Man, found at the cave site of the same name near Beijing, China. But looking at this 40,000-year-old individual's genetic makeup, researchers understood that his people belonged to the earliest populations of settlers in East Asia, predating the development of the different ethnicities that live there today. It appears that the first ancestors to settle East Asia had originated from a northward movement from Southern Asia, from the same populations that founded the indigenous peoples of India, Sunda, and Sahul. From there, groups of ancestors settled in different regions, including the Japanese archipelago. Records of Homo sapiens began around 32,000 years ago, near the various southern islands like present-day Okinawa, suggesting that the primary settlement of Japan began from there, and there is some genetic evidence from y chromosomal DNA that corroborates that result. This is curious, because there is also genetic evidence that points to a peeling of Japan from the north of the archipelago, where there are established links between one of the earliest cultures of Japan, the Jomon, and the indigenous peoples of southern Siberia, like the Ugadai and Ulchi. This raises the possibility of multiple movements into Japan, which is not an unlikely scenario. During the Ice Ages, Japan was not yet an archipelago, but a fringe of land connected to East Asia, with easily accessible routes in the northernmost and southernmost extremes. Other groups of people moved into the Tibetan Plateau around 40 to 30,000 years ago, adapting to the extreme temperatures and altitudes of the Himalayan region from very early on. These earliest remains, stone tools, located over 15,000 feet above sea level. There is clear genetic evidence of interbreeding between ancestors and Denisovans, and that this occurred as these first peoples began to settle throughout Asia and Sahul. We have only found archaeological remains of Denisovans in Siberia, so to see their traces among peoples as far as New Guinea and Australia, where incidentally their signature is highest, is fascinating. This reveals that the population range of these extinct humans had to have been much greater than we thought, perhaps extending deep into Sunda, Analysis of genetic data points to multiple groups of Denisovans throughout Asia, with multiple interbreeding events, including one between a Southeast Asian group and the ancestors of the Papuan and Aboriginal Australian peoples, and another, much earlier, one prior to the full peopling of the Asian continent. Much like the Neanderthals, we have no context for these intermixing events, and the lack of good archaeological evidence only worsens the picture. The youngest remains of Denisovans date to 28,000 years ago, but we have no idea just when they died out. I believe in due time there will be more evidence found for the Denisovan presence in Asia, and these early tentative genetic studies are at least giving us some good clues. The settlement of Europe is a much more well-known field of study. For starters, the ancestors who led these movements seem to have originated from a separate lineage from the one that peopled Sahul and most of southern and eastern Asia. There is a recognizable similarity between the Amiran and Amarian toolkits of the Levant and the earliest European toolkits, like the Bohunisian and the Aurignacian. Genetics adds further weight to these comparisons, and so it seems that Europe was primarily settled by peoples from Southwest Asia. Of related note is a curious index signature found among a Neanderthal group in Europe that points to an earlier settlement by ancestors before 219,000 years ago, further evidence of older movements outside of Africa. So far, the earliest definitive presence of ancestors in Europe dates back 45,000 years in the very southeastern edge of the subcontinent. And they appear to have at least made it all the way to the Iberian Peninsula of 40,000 years ago. Given the presence of the massive glaciers in Europe during these times, ancestors do not appear to have ventured too far north at first, instead, sticking near the warmer regions of the south, even near the Danube and Rhone rivers. Neanderthals had a very sparse presence in Europe during the Ice Ages, with recent evidence pointing to low population numbers. They began to die out at around the same time as the first Homo sapiens were reaching and settling throughout southern Europe. And there was a brief period of around 6,000 years where the two species coexisted on the subcontinent. There's a steady decline in numbers throughout this time, with one of the last Neanderthal holdouts being located in the caves of Gibraltar, near southern Spain, where these peoples hunted ibex and caught tortoises. By 37,000 years ago, the last Neanderthals were extinct. Both of these humans were capable foragers and able to survive on whatever available resources there were, so what happened? I'll say right off the bat that the suggestions of a mass genocide by Homo sapiens remain heavily contested, and there is a strong lack of evidence for such conflicts. That the Neanderthals did not make proper clothing to survive the increasingly cooler times may be an important factor, but it must be remembered that Neanderthals lived throughout southwestern and Northern Asia as well, in a range of climates, so this is only a partial possibility. One of the most recent ideas, based on our understanding of Neanderthal ancestor hybridization, is that our species simply absorbed much of the Neanderthal population through frequent mating. This would have faded away aspects of Neanderthal culture, while also leaving relic low-diversity populations that died on their own. This is coupled with new studies that have examined the ecological footprint of the first Homo sapiens in places like Europe, showing that our Ice Age ancestors had a greater impact on the environment than the Neanderthals, and that this may have contributed to their demise. On top of that, There is geologic evidence that a massive volcanic eruption occurred in Italy around 39,000 years ago, which deposited almost 72 cubic miles of ash all over Europe. We do not find very many remains of Neanderthals, or ancestors for that matter, after the eruption, so this may have exacerbated things. Whatever the case, we cannot forget that Neanderthal DNA lives on within most of the human population today. Given the vast range that people of recent non-African ancestry occupy today, there can be no doubt that more Neanderthal DNA survives right now than there has probably ever been throughout the hundreds of thousands of years that the Neanderthal species had existed. To continue this episode, please go to part 4.